Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Brother Thomas Gonzaga and Brother Andrew Brabuff as they share about the daily holy hour of the Servants of Christ Jesus. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants, and today I'm joined by Brother Thomas Gonzaga and Brother Andrew Brabuff as they share about their daily holy hour. Welcome back. It's great to be back, Ed, as always. Sorry. Are you saying buff because he's so strong? No, no, I'm saying it because every time I say his last name, there's some kind of critique. He's like, no. I'll be like, it's Brabuff, and he's like, no, it's Brabuff. I'm like, that's exactly what I just said. I don't know anything about French either, so it's been a learning process. When I first got the name, I had to look up how to spell it because I wasn't sure. <laughs> nice. And there is a, what's the thing called? An at no the little dash above the e i don't know but therese has two of them so i'm on a good good route (laughs) all right so today we are talking about the servant's holy hour for anybody who's listening who doesn't know this each servant prays a holy hour every single day and i think that you guys have found that this is pretty foundational to your spirituality and that's why we're talking about it on today's podcast so to start this off i guess the big question is why do you guys do a daily holy hour? Mm. I mean, you guys already go to mass every day, which is like 30 plus minutes. You guys do liturgy of the hours, which combined is like 20, 30 minutes. You guys do a daily examine. You, I mean, you're already praying at least an hour a day. Why are you guys doing a holy hour in addition to that every day? Yeah, even though we pray so much in so many so many different ways throughout the day, I think the holy hour is so different because it's so personal. That when we pray liturgy of the hours, we're praying through a set script and we're praying as a community. When we're doing our examines, we're reviewing our day with Jesus. Uh, whenever we're at the mass, there's the consummation of the faith. And really what happens at mass is exactly what's going to happen in heaven. We're receiving the fullness of God and we're giving ourselves fully to God. But I really see Holy Hour as something that you need to prepare you for Mass in a sense and something to set you up. So if our faith is all about giving ourselves entirely to God and recognizing he's given himself entirely to us, I think we need to have a time where we grow in this relationship with God and learn that we can trust him. So it's really all about trust for me because I think we realize as humans that we have to give ourselves away. but we have trust issues. Ever since Genesis 3, we don't trust the Father that if we fully give him to us, he's going to take care of us. And you see this all throughout the Old Testament. So the sin of idolatry, they're not forsaking Yahweh in the sense of they're rebuking him. They're just saying, we don't trust you alone, so we're also going to serve these other gods. Because what happens if you leave us? What happens if you let us down? We need to have these backup plans. And I think that's why people are so spread out and have such divided hearts today is because they don't fully trust God. They don't fully trust one person in their marriage. So they spread themselves out because we have trust issues saying, at least if this person lets me down, or at least if this God lets me down, I'm going to have all these other ones. Uh, But what I find is just like in the Old Testament, when you have a divided heart, you can never be fulfilled. All it leads is not just to a broken law, but to a broken person who's in so many different directions. And so what Holy Hour is for me is entering into this time with God to learn that I can trust the Father over and over again, to heal that wound in my heart, to learn that I can give myself to him. And in giving myself to him, I'm going to prosper and he's going to take care of me and I won't be let down. 
I think that's a great answer, Brother Andrew. And it is a big question, like why do a holy hour? It's kind of hard to put that into a few words because um, there's a tons of reasons. But I, I think there's kind of like two main reasons why we might do a daily holy hour, which both have their root in love. And like Brother Andrew said, um, I'm giving myself completely to Jesus, to God, to the Father, the Holy Spirit, and he's giving himself to me. So it's based on a relationship. And so this first reason is that holy hour is just another way, another gift that we have in the church in order to be in relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it kind of, for me, it depends on what season of life I'm in, where I might really be relating to the Father that day. Or I remember like before Pentecost, I was really trying to relate to the Holy Spirit. Um, And of course, Jesus. And so I'm there um, for my side of the bargain, so to speak, to um, receive his love and to be in relationship with him in that way. But I would say the second thing, we come to holy holy hour every day in order to glorify God, in order to adore him, in order to offer him worship and praise and blessing and thanksgiving. And Brother Andrew said, you know, it, it's, it's an extension of the mass and it leads us to the mass. And so we come to holy hour in order to glorify him, to, to give him what is his due out of, out of the sake of love. We've talked kind of in an abstract way about holy hour. And I want to ask you guys some questions about some specifics and practicals of what this looks like, because, yeah. because even for the apostles, it's like they, <laughs> they fell asleep and, and I'm sure they were tired, but it's also kind of like, well, what were they supposed to do sitting mm-hmm. there for a whole hour, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah. so I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, what does that look like for you guys on average? But before we, we get into the specifics of each hour, when do you guys do your holy hours? Is it morning, evening, afternoon? When do you, what's kind of the custom of the servants? Uh, the custom of the servants is to pray in the morning. And uh, part of that, I've heard Father Paul say before, is we want to give the first fruits of our day to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I personally find it so much more easier to pray in the morning because I have a lot more energy. Mm-hmm. There's a gift of it still kind of being silent outside. So it's more conducive for prayer. But as I said, to glorify God, to adore him, we want to give him when we're most alert, most awake. And so that's in the morning. And do you guys do your holy hours in your room, in the chapel? Is it always in front of the blessed sacrament? Like what's the custom for that? The holy hours are always done either in the chapel at our house or at DU. And the purpose of that is simply to be in front of the blessed sacrament every day that we have such a gift, not just to be spiritually present with Jesus, but to be so physically present with him. And I just think we don't understand the pure gift that this is. In 1 Samuel 6, there's 70 people who just look into the Ark of the Covenant. And just because they look into the place where God's presence dwells, it says that Yahweh strikes down slaughter 70 of them. And so Yahweh slaughters 70 of them because they don't have proper fear of the Lord. And they entered into this intimacy with him that they weren't allowed to because Yahweh is so holy and so beyond them. And so they would look at us and the fact that we can be physically present with Jesus in a room before our very eyes and spend time with him as something that would be utterly absurd to them. Mm. And so I don't think we realize not just the duty we have of Holy Hour, but the gift that God gives us in giving himself to us physically uh, to be able to spend time with him. Now, we've we've used the term Holy Hour, and there's obviously like a time element to that. And so I want to know, 
do you, is it is it always exactly one hour? Like, do you set your watch and it, you know, once the watch dings, you just get up and leave? Can you do 58 minutes and then 62 minutes the next day? Like, how does that work for you guys? It's always at least one hour. It can be more, like, especially maybe on the weekend, you might do like an hour and 10 minutes or something. Frequently during the week, we have a full schedule, so we don't go over an hour very often. But I think I can probably count on one hand the times it's been less than an hour. And that would only be if, you know, there was an extreme circumstance. So it's very, very rare for us to not do a full hour. And what's the reason for that? For, for it like always being at least an hour? I think it's important to set a definite time that we don't want to allow ourselves to get so busy that we stop praying as much as what we used to. Mm. And so I loved religious life in one sense because it gave me these black and white lines that I had to follow mm. because I know so many diocesan priests that started out really faithfully with holy hours, but then their schedules get really busy and they're trying to be faithful to their parish. And before they know it, they're praying maybe 10 minutes a day, mm. not even in front of the blessed sacrament uh, because they haven't given themselves that black and white line. And so for me, it's a minimum of 60 minutes every day, no matter how crazy my schedule is, no matter how early I have to wake up, that it gives me a minimum that I have to follow and that I won't be able to skip out on the rest of my life. And this is a custom of your community. So it's an expectation of all servants, correct? Correct. So last question in terms of time, how does that work? Like sometimes you guys get on airplanes at like 5.30 in the morning and you said you'd pray your holy hours in the morning. <laughs> how does that work? Do you guys wake up at like two in the morning and do a holy hour? That's exactly what we do, Ed. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful sacrifice. It really is. I remember when we go to the SLS or the Sikh conferences I just, I know because I've been a couple of years, that's just a day where I'm going to get up early mm. to pray because we have to get to the conference, which is in, a nor in another city uh, to set up for the conference. So you're, yeah, you're waking up early. But anyway, I, I'm really grateful that my community has always put a priority on it. And I know I've flown um, overseas a couple of times with Father Paul and Father Paul is a great father, so he takes care of us with whatever we need physically, like food. But Father Paul always makes Holy Hour and Mass the biggest priority. And so we'll try and get on an earlier flight. We will fly standby on an earlier flight just so that we can get to the, German, the airport in Germany two hours early so that we can get our Holy Hour in before our last destination. So we're not doing Holy Hour after 18 hours of, you know, travel uh, for that next day. And so I'm just really grateful that uh, we put Jesus first and I'm just following the example of, yeah, the priests in my community. In addition to that, do you notice, because I'm sure there's sometimes when you, when you, your schedule doesn't allow for a holy hour in the morning, or at least there have been. Do mm -hmm. you notice a difference in terms of your own ma mindset and mentality on the days when you pray in the morning versus days when you pray later on? Yeah, I just have to pray in the morning because my mind is so active and I try to be so efficient with my work, which is great during the work day, but it doesn't, I get very distracted if I do my holy hour in the middle of the day because mm -hmm. I have a thousand things going through my mind that I have to do. Yeah. So I personally pray first thing in the morning because it's where my mind's least distracted so I can entirely put all my focus on Jesus rather than all the things that need to be done. And what happens is whenever you pray first thing of the day is you almost, you take on the very mindset of God and you begin to think like God and love like God and God becomes the center of your day. So you're no longer just living a full day doing godly things. 
but you're doing godly things with God and for God because you've started your day with him and he's such a vital part of everything you do after that. So this is going to be a loaded question because I'm sure there's a million components to this, but what does a holy hour look like? Especially a holy hour that you do every single day. So if you could take me through kind of your holy hours and, 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 and what does it look like? What do you pray with? How do you fill up that time every day? So whenever I start my holy hour, the first thing I always want to do before I start reading scripture or going into spiritual reading is I just want to sit with Jesus and be with him mm-hmm. for at least a few minutes because I don't almost want to make Jesus a means to an end and use my holy hour just to get a lot of spiritual reading done or get a lot of scripture read. So I sit and I adore and what I do if I can't focus and I can't just stare into the face of Jesus and be with him is I start praying the rosary, the divine mercy chaplet, because that calms me down and that kind of floods all the worldly thoughts out of my minds and allows me to out of my mind and allows me to focus. So after I do that, I will usually go into morning prayer, which is liturgy of the hours. And then I will always go into scripture after that, wherever uh, I'm led into scripture, wherever my spiritual director has me. So I have some kind of set schedule that I enter into every day. That way I know what I'm going to do. But I also have found that I have to be open to the Holy Spirit and wherever he's taking me. So after that, I might go into spiritual reading. I might finish the rosary at that time. I might just start journaling if Jesus is giving me things that are good for me to write down. One thing I found that I love doing is I love going into my past prayer journals because I look back and I see how faithful Jesus has been my entire life. And it gives me so much more confidence in how faithful he's going to be in this moment. Um, so there's freedom and structure at the same time. But I think the big component for me is that I keep my eyes on Jesus and not on myself. I think it's really easy in holy hours to become very introspective and just to be filled with your own thoughts where it no longer even becomes prayer. It's just some kind of psychology. Uh, in Hebrews 12, the author says that as we shake off the weight and sin that clings to us and we run with perseverance, the race set before us, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hmm. And so even whenever I'm wrestling with sin and with fear and with doubt, I can get so caught up in myself, but rather instead of focusing on my darkness, I focus on the light of the world. And I just trust that as I focus on the light, he will dispel any darkness Mm. from me. I remember Father John once said, worrying in front of the blessed sacrament is still just worrying. (laughs) It's not praying. He said, bringing your worries and offering them to the Lord is praying. (laughs) But just sitting there worrying in front of Jesus like, huh, that's a great point. That's what I do almost all the time. So. Right. <laughs> it's this beautiful mystery of you're not being passive. You're still being active, but you need to learn how to be so receptive because it's, it's about me giving Jesus glory and praise. But as I'm doing that, I'm receiving so much. And I have to learn almost like the divine physician going to operation on me. And I'm just on the table. And I'm just still and I'm letting him do what he wants to do in my heart. Sometimes that's consciously. Sometimes that's just subconsciously. But I trust that as I'm worshiping him and praising him and blessing him, that in turn, he's encouraging me and he's strengthening me and he's healing me and he's speaking into my fear and he's just loving me. What about you, Brother Thomas? What do you do during your holy hours? So every servant of Christ Jesus, the one thing that we must have in our holy hour is some scripture. Uh, Prayed in a method called Lexio Divina, which is just a divine reading where we're meditating um, on the Word of God and letting God's Word speak to us so that it prompts a conversation between us and Him. And so every servant of Christ Jesus is going to have Scripture as part of their holy hour. Another aspect of the holy hour that most of us do 
is, as Brother Andrew said, morning prayer. Um, so we pray all five of the hours of the Office of Readings, but morning prayer is normally on our own in our holy hour. And so scripture is a part of my holy hour. Uh, morning prayer is a part of my holy hour. So morning prayer takes about 15 minutes. And as I've been doing holy hours, this is like my fifth year in community, so I've been doing like five years of holy hours, I think my holy hours have started to look more simple. I used to like try and fit like four things in, like I'd try and pray a rosary, I'd try to do Lectio Divina, I'd try to do morning prayer, and I'd try to, uh, you know, get spiritual reading in, and it was all good, you know, I was trying to like feed myself with good consolations. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of just made it more simple. I've begun to listen more to God, uh, to really listen to the Holy Spirit who's interceding within me, as St. Paul says in Romans 8. And uh, there's a quote that I found a while ago by St. John of the Cross, and it really stayed with me. He says, what we need most in order to make progress is to be silent before this great God with our appetites and our tongues for the language he best hears is silent love. And so Brother Andrew was getting at this as like just gazing at the Lord can do so much more than me trying to fit multiple things in to a holy hour. And one time my spiritual director said, I was like, here's what I'm doing for my prayer. And he's like, well, sounds like you're trying to fit four holy hours into one, you know? <laughs> And so sometimes, this is, this is a grace, this is a complete grace, but sometimes I'll go into holy hour, read one line from scripture, and just communicate in silent love with the Lord for like 30 minutes on that. And it's, that's not what I, you know, I'm not forcing that, it's just the gift that God is giving. And so I think as time God has gone on, I've just learned that I'm, I'm sitting there with my best friend, and sometimes we don't need to do anything. Now, you're talking a little bit about the next question that I wanted to ask you, kind of a two-part question. How long did it take you to get used to doing a holy hour every single day? And uh, the second part of that question is, and you kind of already answered it, but how are your holy hours different now, mm. five years later, than they were you know, when you first joined the community? Yeah, I would say, I remember the first time that I started doing holy hours was Actually, before I joined Religious Life, it was at Life Teen Covecrest over the summer. And I was there for six weeks, and that was the first time that I did a daily holy hour. And it took me about those six weeks to learn, like, okay, what am I supposed to do in this hour? And those were just like the baby steps, right? And I would say I'm still learning. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And that's why we rely on Jesus. Like the apostles, we come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. But it took me about six weeks to like feel comfortable at least and be like, okay, I have some confidence here, but I'm still learning, you know, all the time. And how it has progressed is, yeah, like I just said, um, it's gotten more simple. I'm, I'm trying to be more docile to the Holy Spirit, how he leads me rather than me coming in with an agenda, um, really being open to how he wants to lead. I think with that, I've just recognized that the more holy hours I do, the easier it becomes to where the point where it almost becomes addicting and you simply want more. In Psalm 34, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think the more I dive into the abyss of God's goodness, 
the more I desire to be with him, where 60 hours begins to seem, 60 minutes, uh, not 60 hours, 60 minutes begins to seem short. And I wish I could spend more time. And as a novice, I get to spend more time. But it's kind of like whenever I first started reading Lord of the Rings, I was simply doing it because all my friends kept nagging me, telling me to do it. So I did it kind of to show them, this is stupid. I'm gonna read 50 pages and never touch it again. But before I knew it, as I saw the goodness of it, I was immersed in it and I couldn't put it down. And I was excited to go to it every day. Mm. And I think it's the same grace on a greater scale with prayer that I get excited to go to it every day. And the more I go to it, the more I desire to enter into it. So you may have just answered my next question, which was, doesn't it get old to pray a holy hour every single day? Like, do you fall asleep sometimes? I mean, and I think you already answered that question as a no, but do you want to answer it any, uh, any differently? Either one of you? Do I fall asleep? <laughs> no, not normally. <laughs> but no, it doesn't, it doesn't get boring. God is infinite and we can't exhaust him and we have no idea. That's why I love coming to see him every day because it's like, Lord, how are you going to surprise me today? How are you going to remind me of your love for me today? Um, what are you going to teach me today? Because, yeah, Jesus is, is so amazing. Every single day I come to him and I want to know him more. And so it doesn't really get boring for me because God is the most amazing, indescribable, ineffable, beautiful person there's ever been. And there's so much to learn about him. Uh, it may not get boring for Brother Thomas, or he may not get tired, but I am not at the holiness of Brother Thomas right now. Oh, no. And even if Five God years. is, <laughs> even if God is ineffable and incredible, I am fallen and I am weak and I'm frail and I love little. <laughs> so yes, there's times when I'm in desolation and dryness, it's long to sit in a holy hour for 60 minutes, which is why we have the minimum time. Hmm. There's times when I'm falling asleep where I have to fight to pray. And this, the catechism talks about prayer saying that prayer is a battle. We have to fight for it. And so when I pray, there's times I have to stand up in my humility and recognize I'm going to fall asleep if I sit down or I'll spend all 60 minutes kneeling because I know that's the only way I'll keep up. This morning, I had to leave my holy hour to go do push-ups because I had to get my heart rate up again or because I was falling asleep. Um, but what I find is just like whenever my sister calls me, she has three little children and she tells me I keep waking up throughout the night to help them and I don't even want to do it. It just feels like a duty. And I have to explain to her, you don't love them any less because you don't want to do it. In fact, you're actually loving them more because it's a struggle and you're choosing to do it anyway. So I recognize that when I'm in times of dryness or whenever I'm tired going into a holy hour, it may feel like duty, but it's actually an act of love going to it anyway. And it may actually be a greater act of love going through and pushing through whenever it's hard than when I'm just enthralled by Jesus and want to sit in there all day. Apart from the fact that I have fallen asleep, I'm not as great as Brother Andrew is saying I am. He's a very holy man. Don't listen to him. I was I wondering if you were going to qualify these. Uh, yes, I would like to qualify that. I definitely have fallen asleep, but I, I just want to go off of what Brother Andrew was saying about the desolation thing. That can be quite tough mm. to remain in holy hour or see like, is this even worth it? Mm. Uh, but I'll never forget Father Mike Schmitz. I heard him say something one time and he said, in desolation, that is the perfect time to pray. Why? Because you know that when you show up to pray and you're in desolation, you're not doing it just for yourself. Mm. You're not doing it just so that you can receive good things, but you're doing it because you really want to show God that you love him. Right. When I'm there just 
for the sake of loving him, even if I feel nothing, right? That's where we need to really lean in and be like, no, I'm here for you, Lord, and I want to, I want to praise you, I want to thank you, even though I don't feel anything right now. So you guys have talked a lot about kind of the practicals of prayer and also why you pray. But can you just touch a little bit on what exactly prayer is? Because even though I think a lot of us understand, you know, we talk about prayer, people hear about prayer, but there's still this kind of mysteriousness to it. It's like what ex- what exactly is going on and and why am I doing this? Like what's the point of this? Why is prayer so important? Yeah, prayer is so important because it's the means really that we can live our relationship with God. Um, the Catechism says that prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with our thirst. Uh, that we actually need love because we've been created by love for love. We, we need this. We thirst for those infinite recesses of our heart to be filled that can't be filled with the things of this world. It's like trying to drink water out of you know, a sieve or, or a colander. Like we, we try and fill our hearts with all these things that don't satisfy when we're really, really thirsty for true, authentic love. And so we're thirsting. And when we come to pray, the saints tell us, and Jesus himself from the cross says, I thirst. And in Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus asks the woman, give me a drink, which is, which is crazy to think about that the son of God is requesting something from us. And so we, we represented in the woman have the opportunity to encounter God's thirst for us, which is just a mystery. And so the catechism says, yeah, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. And, you know, explaining what prayer is, it's, it's quite simple. St. John Damascene says it's the lifting of the mind and the heart to God, just a simple raising of the mind and the heart, which is why I can pray when I'm driving, which is why I can pray when I'm on a hike and I see something beautiful. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. That, that, isn't, that is a, a transcending of my heart to something that is beyond me. Um, so that can be a prayer. St. Therese says prayer is a simple glance toward heaven, a surge of love. It's, it's love. It's a, it's a communication between me and God. And I think we can tell people all about what prayer has done in our lives, and we can talk about the impact and quote the catechism and quote all these saints. But you're never going to know, you're never going to taste and see the goodness of the Lord unless you go to prayer and do it for yourself. And you can tell a tree by its fruits. One of my favorite stories from our Israel trip we took is at the end of the trip, we people were asking the DU guys. Oh, uh, I love this story. Go, brother. <laughs> they were asking, Go. they were saying, what was your favorite part of Israel? And they were expecting to hear like the Garden of Gethsemane or Galilee or this different church we went to. And every single one of them, all three of them said, the best part of the month-long pilgrimage to Israel was the daily holy hour we did every morning. That they went all the way to Israel and their favorite part was sitting in a chapel with Jesus every morning praying for 60 minutes. And since they've gotten back and made daily prayer, and even a lot of them, most of them, holy hours, part of their everyday life, they've been so transformed and changed. I've never seen a group of men so changed and so different in six months. And it's because they've given themselves entirely to Jesus in prayer every single day. So you can tell a tree by its fruits. Let's talk about those fruits. What are the... (laughs) What are the greatest fruits of your holy hours in your daily life? It sounds so simple, but God himself is the greatest fruit. 
I think it's so easy for us to use God as a means to an end that I'm going to be faithful to God so that he's faithful to me and does X, Y, and Z for me. But Psalm 4 says, what can bring us happiness, many ask? Let the light of your face shine on us. They say, God, you yourself are my happiness. Psalm 16 says, Lord, you are my portion in my cup. It is you yourself who are my prize. That the Jewish people didn't view God as a way for God to bless their lives and bring happiness into their lives. They viewed God as the happiness of their life. And so for me, the greatest joy is simply being with God and recognizing this communion of God that I'm entering into. Another way the catechism talks about prayer is simply a communion of love with God, that I'm simply loving him as he loves me. And I've noticed the fruits in my life. I I write home to family and friends and they notice that I've changed. And they're like, that's great, brother Andrew. We wish we could travel the country and preach and we wish we could go on these pilgrimages. And I'm like, yeah, they're awesome, but I haven't changed because of them. It's been the fact that I've done daily holy hours because I'm praying so much. And it's not just for religious. Any person can do that when you commit to daily prayer and Jesus will transform your life and he'll, he will bring you joy and bliss and fulfillment. Unlike you've ever seen it before. Because you're no longer seeing glimpses of happiness or joy or fulfillment, but you're seeing joy himself in front of your very eyes every day. This is another one of those questions that's really hard to, I think, put into words. Mm -hmm. But as Brother Andrew was saying, the greatest fruit, the greatest blessing, the the greatest gift is to know him more, which is what we're going to be doing forever in heaven. This is eternal life to know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent. And so when I get to spend an hour with him whom my soul loves, you know, what, what is better than that? You know, Jesus in John 15 looks to the apostles and he says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends because I have shared with you everything that I have heard from my father. And when we come to holy hour, we get to hear those same things. We get to hear the secrets that Jesus knows from the Father, that he is sharing his own heart with us. He's sharing his own life with us. What, what is better than that? What is better than that? And so friendship with Christ, I think, is the greatest blessing. It, and that's what charity is. Charity is friendship with Christ. And so I get to go spend an hour with my best friend, who's also my Lord, who's also my God, who converts me, who convicts me, and uh, who loves me with his mercy. Okay, uh, last question for anyone listening who you know, is considering praying more in their life and more regularly in their life. What's just some practical advice that you would give to somebody who's who's considering a, maybe not even a daily holy hour, but just wants to pray more in their life? I would say first, we've been talking about a holy hour, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. I would just say begin praying. Begin praying on a daily basis, and that might be 10 minutes. You know, And in those 10 minutes, perhaps you're just giving thanks to God for things in the day. And like Brother Andrew said, like once you start, you're going to taste and see the goodness of the Lord and 10 minutes will turn into 15 minutes and 15 minutes will turn into 30 minutes and you're going to, you're going to see the fruit in your life and you're not going to want to stop. But if someone is willing and wanting and desirous of going before the Lord in the blessed sacrament, I would highly, highly recommend them to begin with some form of scripture of Lectio Divina 
Your, the, the whole goal really is to have a conversation with God, to attune yourself to his voice, which like any relationship takes time to get to know that voice. So if you're there for 30 minutes, maybe you spend 10 minutes praying with scripture, maybe 10 minutes praying the rosary, and then maybe 10 minutes like journaling what happened, you know, or something that you feel like God said to you. Um, or maybe you can... Like when I first, first, first began to pray, I would just write God a note. I'd say like, dear God, and then I would tell him something. And then I would pause and I would see if anything stirred in my heart, like anything that he would say back. And I just wrote that down. And it was, it was beautiful because when I was writing to God, I was like thinking ahead of time of what I might say and like where I'd put a comma or something. But like when I pause and let the Holy Spirit speak back to me. It was almost like every single word was chosen just at that moment. Nothing was pre-planned. And so I really grew in confidence of hearing God speak to me in that way. But if you're already praying and you want to take it to the next level, you want to start doing a holy hour, I really recommend that. And I would suggest that you try and find some spiritually mature person that you can talk to about it with. Because it's really helpful if you're praying for an hour to have kind of like a coach, um, someone who's done that before, you know, to help guide you through that. What do you think, Brother Andrew? I think with that, one thing I've found is just that I can never give more to God than what he can give to me. That every time I'm generous with God, whenever I pray, when I have a busy schedule or when I have a lot going on or when I'm stressed, he always gives me so much more back. One of my favorite compliments uh, I get as we get as a community when we go on so many retreats and summer camps as people look at us and they say you're the most joyful people we've ever met you look like you're living like the, with this bliss in your life and they hear of all the sacrifices and the radicality of the life we live but the truth is we're not so joyful and fulfilled in spite of living out poverty chastity and obedience it's not in spite of the prayer and the mission that we do it's exactly because of the poverty and chastity obedience. It's exactly because of the prayer and the mission, because our lives are centered around God and everything we do is centered on God. And so we're, our lives are so full because everything is focused on God. So anything that you shed away, anything that you give, God is going to return so much more back. Something I think the Father just wanted to speak to the listeners is simply that whenever you go to prayer, it's so easy to have the mindset of this is a duty and I have to do this and almost stress yourself out or beat yourself up because you're not praying enough. And I think what the father just wants to say is that he wants you to go to prayer, not out of duty, not stressed out, not because you have to do it, but the father just wants to say, I'm yearning for you. Hmm. I want so badly to be with you. I miss you. I want to spend time with you. It's like the story of the prodigal son that maybe we're not all far off on the deep end and the, the, the father is looking for us, waiting for us at every moment to return. But maybe we're hanging around the house and we're hanging around the farm and we're just not spending time with the father because we're so caught up in the work that we're on. We're so caught up in other things we have in life. And I just had an image of the father sitting in the house, staring at the window, watching us work and just saying, when are they going to come in and spend time with me? I want to be with them so badly. Uh, and so let it motivate you to go to prayer that the Father wants you, the Father desires you, the Father yearns for you, and let that be your motivation to go to prayer. Mm. Is there anything else you would add, Brother Thomas? I would say just do it. Like, give it a try. The Lord is going to take care of you, and you're going to love praying once you start doing it. So just just do it. Commit. Do it. All right. Well, thank you for taking me through your holy hour as servants of Christ Jesus. It has been inspiring as well as a blessing. So thank you very much. 
Next week on the podcast, Father James and Brother Peter will be here to share about the theology of the body formation exercise of the servants. That's it for today. As always, you can learn more about the servants of Christ Jesus, and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks from the servants at scjesus.org. Thank you to the two of you for joining me. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate you, Ed.